This episode of the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Rebel Riot Printing. Celebrating their 10th year in business, Rebel Riot is locally owned and family operated, offering custom printed tees with no minimums and fast turnaround. And by Bitsbox. Bitsbox teaches kids to code. Real JavaScript, real devices, and really fun. Hands down the most fun way for curious kids ages 6 to 14 to learn coding. Use promo code DETOX for $20 off any subscription order of $50 or more. That's D-T-A-L-K-S DETOX for $20 off any order of $50 or more with BitsBox. Ask the birth guy. Hey guys, it's me, Brian the birth guy. So I'm here today to talk about something. Home birth. How to get ready for it. How do you prepare? That's a tricky question. First and foremost, I want to say my mentor, Dr. Stuart Fishbein in Los Angeles, has a podcast called Dr. Sue's Podcast. He does only home births. So I tell people always to take a listen to that while they're getting ready for their home birth so they understand more about mammalian birth and understand how to trust their own body. Look, having a home birth isn't for everybody, but it can be for you if you're ready to really commit to it. That means you have to understand that there is no pain control besides what you can do for yourself and holistic, you know, homeopathic types of things like warm water, compression, um, hip squeezing, midwifery massage, counter pressure, things like that. But also, I came up with the concept recently. They always tell you you have to let go and you have to surrender. For a lot of people, those words are very difficult to let go or to surrender. Sounds like you're almost failing or giving up. That's not what they mean. I look at it this way. We have our physical self and then we have our physiological self. And sometimes we, we're, you know, we lead more with our physical self because we're here, we're feeling it, we're understanding that. And our physiological self doesn't get the opportunity to, to work as well as it possibly can. We have to get rid of that, that concept of, of letting go and surrendering and just say, I'm not giving anything up to anyone. I'm letting my physiological self take over. So my physiological self now will help me get this baby out. And by trusting it and trusting that I was built to have a baby and I was built to birth, this makes it a lot easier. So motion, moving around, getting trusting your body and letting your physiological self work and not feeling like you're giving in or giving up. You're just trusting the, the whole process. And having the right support and partner there with you is a big deal. Also, you need to make sure your health is on point and that you don't really anticipate that there'll be any health complications. Yeah, that's where a good doctor comes in play. And, you know, they should be you know, correlating with your midwife. So I hope you guys have a great home birth if you're planning on it. Get that pool in there too. You never know. You might like it. And just really have the right people around you and have the right support. I hope that helps. I'm Brian the Birth Guy. Back to Joe Shaw and the Detox Podcast. The Detox Podcast is live at the Dapper Cafe in 
Bedford, Texas. We were just talking about Brownwood. I almost said Brownwood, but we're here in Bedford. Two similar bees, but a little bit different. And uh, I'm really excited to have as my guest today, Chris Brown, former city councilman of the city of Bedford. Chris, how are you doing today? I am doing terrific. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm, you know, this has been something that we've been trying to do for about a year or so, and schedules just didn't end up working out, but it finally did. And I'm really excited to be here at uh, Dapper Cafe and being able to kind of really com- like tap into the community, bring some uh, arts into the local community and really kind of have this, uh, this whole experience. I'm really excited for you to be the first one to be a part of this. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really exciting. I've got a, a lot of good talking points I'm excited to get into. Well, I'm really happy that you're letting me play out my dream of being a radio star. All right. Well, there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I know you've had Norm Hitzkiss on and, and Dale Hansen on, right. and, and uh, I feel like I'm on the ticket right now at a, at a remote broadcast. Well, I mean, you know, they all pale in comparison to you, clearly, clearly. <laughs> it's a shame that I have to be your first live guest. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. So uh, for those who may not know, I'm going to go ahead and headline and, and talk about uh, kind of the obvious thing that, that uh, is about you, which is the fact that you were elected to the city council council at the age of 19. You had just finished or were finishing your freshman year at UNT, University of North Texas, and uh, you served two terms, correct? So a total of six years on the city council? That's right. Okay. And then, uh, so you did that, you went to A&M Law School? I did. Okay. So A&M Law School, now you're at a law firm here in the DFW area. And uh, so it's, it's really interesting. I always tell people when I when I was talking about you, I told them, uh, "Have you seen Parks and Rec?" And have you seen Parks and Rec? Yes, I you're think ben, I know where you're going. You're Ben Wyatt, right? <laughs> yeah. But you didn't try and create Ice Town, so uh, Bedford's better for it. So <laughs> didn't get run out of the city right? for that. <laughs> I always tell them, I'm like, he's like Ben Wyatt from Parks and Rec, but he didn't get run out of town, so it works out. In fact, they elected him to a second term, so it worked out really, really well. You got to get out before they kick you out. Right. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. That's right. that's the secret to success. Okay, so uh, I want to touch on the fact that you, you won your first city, city council election at 19, right after freshman year at UNT. I just covered that. I want you to walk me through the experience of simultaneously running a campaign and pursuing your degree. How did you end up balancing those two right off the bat? Because that's got to be like a high-stress situation. Yeah, it's interesting. And thinking back now, it, it seems like a different lifetime ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's over 10 years ago right. that it happened. Um, and I think that that being a student really helped me because my schedule was flexible sure. enough that I didn't have to go to a, a job every day. Right, right, right. kept me away from, from doing the city council work, uh, you know, throughout the day. Um, but I was, I was 19. I, you know, I had decided to run when I was 18. I was still in high school. About a year before I actually decided to run, I, I started going to city council meetings and, you know, really, I credit my high school government mm-hmm. teacher for really getting me interested. Um, we were talking about l- local government right. elections, you know, in the classroom. Right. And she just kind of mentioned, you know, there's an election going on. Right. Are you all aware of it? Right. <laughs> and I, I, I really wasn't. Right. Um, but then I started to get involved. Um, you know, I went to the the, the candidate debates and mm-hmm. I thought, well, this stuff is really interesting. Right. I, I don't know what they're talking about right. at this point. I don't, I really don't understand <laughs> right. any of this, yeah. but something about it really piqued my interest. And so I started yeah. really getting involved, going to city council meetings, you know, trying to just figure out what was going on in the city. And, and, and after that I said, well, gosh, I really want to be in, involved in right. this. And so I said, you know, the best way to do it is get this foundation of knowledge and right. then figure out, can I help? Right. And, and I decided that I could. And so I decided to run. Yeah. And 
you know, being being a student helped me because I could I could go to class mm-hmm. and and then I could I could work on my campaign and then after I was elected I could I could I could be here and present and and do all the things that you should do as a right. city council member and you know with with the flexibility of the schedule um it, it really proved itself to be really beneficial for yep. that. And you know you talked about the fact that that it was so interesting going to the election and and hearing people talk about uh or the debate, excuse me, and and hearing people talk about the issues. And to me one of the things that's always interesting to me from a city political level is the fact that, you know, these things are directly impacting your day to day. And I think a lot of times when people think about elections or they think about politics and you know, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't matter." And and you know, the That's a conversation for another time. But I think what's interesting about this is the fact that your vote really does matter. I mean, you specifically got elected by winning 83.7% of the vote. But out of that, that was only 6.6% of the city of Bedford that voted. So that's like, how do you then bridge the gap to get people who just aren't engaged in local politics? How do you, how did, how did you try and motivate them to get more involved at a local level. Yeah, I, th- I think it's difficult, especially on a local level, because people, th- they have, they have the, the um, thought that their political um, power should really be, be pointed toward Washington. Sure. Uh, you know, the, and they get involved. Like the in, energy. In, 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 yeah, right. and, and, you know, that's what they get involved with, or, sure. or, or even on, those, on the state level. Right. But, th- but they don't realize that, that they are more directly affected by what goes on in their city council chambers right. or their, their school board chambers um, on a day-to-day basis right. um, th- than anything that goes on in, in Congress or that goes on in the legislature. Right. Um, and, you know, when you're on the city council or you're on the school board, you're, you're a local elected official, you, you don't get to go run and hide off into right. these distant places. <laughs> right. I mean, you run into these people right. at, your, at right. the store right. or at, the, at a restaurant. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and if people are upset about something, they know where to find you. Right. And they, and they <laughs> exactly. can do something about it. Exactly. And so, you know, I think that's the way you, you motivate people to say, what, what's going on in the city that you don't like? Right. Well, tell me about it because right. l- let's work together and do something about it because right. we can. Yeah. I mean, if, if you yeah. want to do something in, in your city, you, I think you have a much better opportunity to get that done than you do on a statewide level or a national level. Right. I mean, if, if, you, if you see a problem, you can work with, the, with, with your elected official and get it done. Right. And I think that's how you get people involved. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, to your point about, about seeing a problem and doing something about it, I think what your story is kind of a testament to is you, you recognize, it, if, I'm, if I'm correct, in that when, and when you were running, there was about to be a major highway project in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, specifically in the mid-cities between Highway 183, 121, this whole big construction project. And you had identified an area of opportunity for the city of Bedford, mainly having a plan in place to deal with this coming change because you didn't see one currently in place. So talk me through your decision to kind of make that one of your uh, campaign, I guess, platform issues and how you then were able to bring that into fruition. Yeah, that was one of the one of the three or four major issues that I ran on. Right. You know, because as I started studying the city and, and studying the, the issues that were going on, you know, I, I saw and it wasn't just me. I mean, other, other people realize this, too. But right. But what was coming to the city and that was going to affect Bedford more than any other city <clears throat> in the Metroplex is that the expansion of the highway, 60 mm-hmm. percent of that highway was in the city of Bedford. Mm-hmm. And it was going right through our central business district right. where, where the majority of our businesses were located. And I started asking around, well, what are we going to do, do about this? Is there a plan in place? Right. 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, it's not that I was the only one aware of it. People were aware that the highway was coming. They were aware that businesses were being affected. But there wasn't a substantial plan in place to counter the effects of the highway expansion. Right. And so I, I, that was one of the issues that I ran on. I said, we need to identify the businesses that are going to be affected. Right. Because if the highway is expanded and it, and it takes out your parking lot, well, you're not going to stay there because right. you can't. Yep. If it takes out your building, you're certainly not going <laughs> right. to stay there because you can't. Right. Um, you've got to relocate. Yep. And so we want you to relocate in Bedford right. rather than lose you to another city. Mm-hmm. And so, so what, what the city put in place was a, a comprehensive plan to identify these businesses and, and seek to relocate them. And we were very successful in finding other areas of the city that they moved to. Right. And, and, and that helped in redevelopment, too. Because you could get a, a business off of the highway who had great visibility. They want to be on the highway, but if we were able to put them in, a, in an area that was a little bit underdeveloped, underutilized, we could, we could spur some redevelopment Sure. And, and while keeping those tax dollars in the city. Right. And that's key, too, because you know there are a lot of times where you need, and, and I'm, I may not be familiar with the exact language, but you have a business that may be a little bit more well-known, like say, uh, let's take Chili's for an example, right? So Chili's is a well-known brand. People know what that restaurant is. They know what it stands for. And then if you have maybe some local businesses or smaller businesses that are trying to get uh, sustainability and you put them next to a Chili's, there's going to be a lot of traffic. And then you would hope eventually that leads to a lot of business for that smaller business because they see it every single time they go to Chili's. Sure. If you get, if you get an anchor business, anchor, there you go. That businesses want to be around. Right. That, that's, that is, is redevelopment waiting to happen. Right. Now you had talked about getting interested in local politics through your high school government teacher. Is that what you said? Right. So talk to me about why you decided not to run at 18, but to wait a full year later. Well, I, I think two things. One, uh, there was no way that I was going to win <laughs> because I didn't know what I was talking about. Fair, fair. So, and, and for that reason, I probably shouldn't have won. Right. You know? So right. I, I didn't want to run until one, I figured that I could win sure. and I should win. Right. And, and, and should win is that I'm actually going to be worthwhile on the city council. Right. You know, I don't want to do it just for, just for fun. Right. Uh, you know, do it for some publicity stunt or, right. you know, some for student ice running. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted to run if I thought that I could make a difference and really help. Right. And so in order to do that, I needed to make sure that I knew what I was talking about. Sure. And in order to do that, I had to go to every city council meeting. I had to go to board and commission meetings and figure out all right, what's going on at the library? So I went to the library board sure. meetings for a whole year. What's wow. going on at the parks? Yeah. I went to the park and rec meetings. Yeah. Um, what's going on with the, with the small businesses? I went to the community affairs commission meetings. So I went, I went to all of these meetings in order to, to build the knowledge that I thought that I needed in order to figure out, okay, what's going on here that, we can, that we're doing a really good job at, that we right. need to continue? What's going on that we need to fix and change the direction on? Um, and and there, there was no way that I was going to be able to do that without putting the work in to... to sure gain that knowledge. Right. And so I didn't run that that first year because I wasn't ready. Right. That's that's so crazy. I mean, the, the city council in and of itself meets, what, every other Tuesday, right? That's so right. So every other Tuesday you're going, and these meetings are, what, two, three hours long, maybe? They can be, or they could be pretty short. Right. It just depends <laughs> just on what's, what's going on. What's the agenda, yeah. right? So you're going to these, you're taking notes, and you're identifying, I guess, maybe one, what's going well, two, what is not going as well, and three, how do you think you can find a through point to get something that's not working well and then make it into something well, like your specific message and platform? So what were some of the other uh, issues that you ran on besides the highway development project? Yeah, there was a, there was a, um, 
a retirement system that we had in place in the city of Bedford that no other city operated under the same way. Okay. So the, the city, most of the cities around us um, had what's called the Texas Municipal Retirement System. And, and all of the, the city's uh, employees paid into that system. And what was happening was they could pay into that system and, and, then, and then move to other cities and continue in on that retirement system. Okay. Well, if, if you're in that system, that retirement system, you don't want to move to a city that is not in that retirement system. Sure, sure. Yep. Um, and so I think that it was really um, putting us in a position that we couldn't recruit uh, oh, employees okay. who may very well want to come to the city of Bedford and right. would do a really great job in the city of Bedford, but they didn't want to come here because of the retirement system that we had. Mm, okay. And also, be- because of that, the city of Bedford employees start looking around and going, why are, why are we different than everybody else? Right. What, what, there's got to be something better about them. Right. So we started losing people because it, it, whether it was true or not, the perception was that's a better retirement system out there because everybody else is doing it. Right. So we, we were losing employees yep. to cities that had this retirement system. And we were not gaining employees who were already right. in other cities who had this right, retirement right, right, system. Right. And, it, and it especially hurt us in the police and fire mm. area. You know, it, at that time, and I don't know what the number is now, but it took about $100,000 to recruit and train a police officer. Okay. And we were serving as, as, a, as a training ground for other cities because we'd recruit them, we'd, we'd train them. Right. We pay the money for that, and then two or three years later, they'd leave and they'd go to other cities. Mm. And we, we would we would lose that money. We'd lose those people who were trained and recruited by the city. A, yeah, you're not getting a good return on investment. And I, and I kept right. asking people, why why is this? And they said, well, we just we can't we can't do it. We can't change. They can't change the, the retirement. We can't change the system. Wow. And I I, di- I didn't understand that. And, and part of it is being so young, you don't know what you can't do. Sure. Heard that before. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, well, and I said, well, why not? Let's do it. Yeah. And we, we, we were able to put a system in. I mean, it wasn't just as simple as let's do it. But right. we, we yeah, put yeah. in a, simp- a, a, a system in place where after the, f- after the first year I was elected, we, we were transitioning into the, the TMRS, oh, wow. the okay. new retirement system. And within, and within two years, we were, completely, we were completely in this new system. And now we are, we are well, I say we, but the city of right. Bedford is, is now in a TMRS city. And, and it has helped. Yeah. On the recruitment and the retention side of, of employees. That's fantastic. It's so, I think to your point, it's so true in that you, sometimes you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And, and that can be a really good thing because you're asking questions that you're not taking for granted, right? Like a lot of people around you are saying, this is the way it is, this is the way it's always been. There's nothing we can do. And you're like, that doesn't make any logical sense to me at all. Let's, let's see if there's a better way forward. And then turns out there was, and that got implemented, right? And so I want to talk about, you know, you were quoted specifically as saying, let me see if I can find the quote here. Um, it was, uh, where was it? Oh, here we go. You said, uh, you were quoted right after you won saying, I think the council is going to be a nicer chamber about the, div- uh, now that the uh, divisive attitudes of the past are gone. I'm paraphrasing. Walk me through the atmosphere of the city council before and then after you were elected. What were some of those like kind of divisive, because there were a couple of votes, one about natural gas drilling restrictions placed on that. And then there was, um, uh, I don't re- quite remember the other one, but I remember it was a lot of close, like four to three votes. And, and that seemed to kind of go away after you and, and a couple other people were elected. Well, I, I think it even went back further than that to the rollback election. That's what it was, yes, with the rollback and, with the and library. And the, the problem with that was that vote was the largest turnout 
in the city of Bedford's and, history. It was and the about headline, headline for the listeners who may not know, what was what was the, let's put some context on what the, the vote was for and then kind of what spurred such a high turnout and then we can kind of work from there. Yeah, and uh, I'll paraphrase. It was it was the, the, the city council set the tax rate at a, at a certain rate mm-hmm. that triggered what's called a, a rollback election okay. where where the citizens of the city could could come out and vote and vote whether or not they would roll back the tax rate mm-hmm. to a to a lower rate than sure. what was set by the city council. And so it really divided the city because okay. on, on one side, people were saying we, we need to tax at this certain rate in order to keep these certain services. Right. And the one, and of, one of them being the library. One of them being the library. Right. Um, the, the, the other side was saying this, this tax rate is outrageous. It's too high. It needs to be, it needs to be much lower and right. we will deal with um, consequences. Well, not just the consequences, but we'll live within our means and, and pay f- for what we could pay for gotcha. with the tax rate that we have. Gotcha. Um, and so it was really evenly split because the, the vote um, came down almost 50-50. Wow. It was a, a 20% turnout, which doesn't sound very high, but was the highest when voter we talk turnout. About, yeah, the 6% the s- for your yeah, vote. Exactly. Like 20% is high. So right. T- 20% is the highest voter turnout in the city's history. Right. And so it, it really divided people, and it grouped people into – Anti-rollback people and pro-rollback people. Right. And, and people couldn't get past that wow. uh, because th- they were grouped into those groups mm-hmm. and, and, and they were almost pigeonholed and, and you know, put against each other. And this is like early, mid-2000, right? It, 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 it was. 2000s, and, yeah. And, and, the, and, and what really helped me, and I think what my quote was going to there, is I wasn't any part of that. Sure. Right, right, right. And, and so I, I wasn't a, a pro rollback person. I wasn't an anti rollback person because I, I think I was in like elementary school or right. junior high. <laughs> right, okay, right, I, right. I had absolutely right. no part in it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so that that history that that really brought some divisiveness to a lot of people who were really involved in the city. I just didn't have. Right. And so I had people support me who were pro rollback people and who were anti rollback people. And it, to me, it, it it didn't matter because mm-hmm. I, I wasn't pigeonholed into one of those two camps. Right. I said, and, and so I said, really, I, I'm going to be able to work with everybody. Right. I'll listen to anybody's ideas, and I think that's what people were running into, is that they were just shooting down people's ideas, not necessarily because of the idea, but because right. of who it was coming from. Right. So it was a very, like, you know, oh, this person voted for, this person voted against, therefore anything they say I'm not going to listen to or agree with or whatever, and you're coming in saying, I've got zero history, zero ties, and I'm just willing to work. Let's just... Yeah. Let's put political opinions aside. Yeah, I and just want just good get ideas. Down. Yeah, you've got exactly. a good idea on one here. Right, <laughs> exactly. And, and I hope that you'll listen to my ideas. And if you think any of them are good, maybe we'll work together and get it done. Right. And so, you know, that's that's one of the things that I kind of touch on a lot in, in this podcast specifically and in the show a, a lot lately has been the fact that, you know, there is – it's 2019 and as as – far as we've progressed, it's still, you get a lot of people that are very divisive and, and don't want to listen to each other because of one thing or another. And so how, and it's so easy for people to kind of silo themselves off as opposed to coming together, breaking bread, having a conversation and just like finding common ground. There's not a lot of seeking to find a common ground that I perceive to be anymore. And I think it, maybe it was always kind of this way. It's just amplified a lot more just with the, with social media in general. But how have you kind of with your experience in your time been able to to address that problem if people bring it up, like what is what has been a way you've kind of sought to find common ground now that you're off the council, maybe using some of those tools? Yeah, and I think it's it's a just something that I learned while being on the council right. is that you, you, I don't take things personally. Mm-hmm. Like if if I disagree with you, it's not because I don't like you. Right. Maybe I just don't like the idea that you're putting out. And sure. if you disagree with me, it's not that you don't like me. Right. 
you just don't like my idea. Right. And that's fine. Yeah. And too, too many people get caught up into taking things really personally. Mm. Uh, they can't separate them themselves from their ideas or someone else from, from their right. ideas. Right. Um, and, and I think that that has, th- that will serve me well, you know, in whatever arena I'm in, whether it was the city council or, or, you know, just now, you know, as being a professional right. out in the world, you just, if somebody's going to disagree with you, that's fine, but I'm not going to take it personally. Right. And I think it's, it's just, it's really easy to, and I think it's because, you know, we get wrapped up in, in ideas and it, it's really hard to kind of separate, especially like, I'm sure you saw quite a bit where people would come and, and maybe speak to the council about a particular policy or issue and, and it, it they found a way to to personalize it because they're trying to get across like why this impacts them or why it doesn't impact them depending mm-hmm. on the case may be. So how were you able to kind of help like whether you let's say you were not in support of I think something that I saw was there was a, a daytime curfew for for students because there was a lot of um, a lot of kids skipping classes and and people had some concerns because if they were homeschooled or if they chose to keep their kids home or, or whatever the case may be that they were worried that maybe this law would impact them and 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 to and to some of these people maybe it felt like a personal attack like you're not allowed to do what you've chosen is best for your kids they need to be in a in a public or private institution how did you kind of address and, and say no this isn't a personal issue this is more trying to address the overall problem as a deterrent, and this is how we see these the best way forward. Yeah, I tried to meet with people outside of the council chamber. Mm, sure. You know, when the, when they're standing up and addressing the council, it, it, it's very formalized. Sure. You don't get to know the other person. Right. Um, and, and hear where they're coming from. And so a lot of times, you know, I would just, I would have, have had lunch with people. Yeah have coffee with people. One of the things I started to do um, right after I got on the council and, and Ray Champney, who was elected with me, mm-hmm. um, who, who, I, who was a really dear friend who's now passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would set up at the library together uh, the first Saturday of every month and set up two chairs and a table and just put out a sign and say, here, we're here to meet your council members. Right. What do you have on your mind? Yeah. Um, and so just, just having an open dialogue and trying to be open mm-hmm. um to listen to people and um you know try you know just try not to have a, a closed mind when when something's brought up you know right. eventually you'll have to vote and make a decision right but i think just having an open mind and listening will go a long way with a lot of people right now what has been uh what were some of the proudest accomplishments you had as while being a city councilman Beyond the, the, plat- the platform packages that we talked about. Yeah, I, I mean, just, just being elected, I mean, having y- your name on a ballot and having people that you don't even know go and vote for you is a really, yeah. really neat feeling. Yeah. Um, the, having the respect of my other fellow council members when they voted me to be uh, the mayor pro tem, mm-hmm. twice they did that. Um, th- that w- I felt very proud of that. Um, because I didn't know how I w- really how I was going to be received sure. from the yeah. <laughs> other city <laughs> this, council members. This, like, wet behind um, the ears college kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was the youngest one by 30 or 40 years. Right. I mean, it <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> to, to have their uh, approval and, and respect w- was was wonderful. Um, but I think that, that, that the city made a lot of, of really great strides mm-hmm. um, during my 60 years there on, on a number of, of different areas. And, um, 
you know, just to, to be a part of it and to have just a small hand in it, mm-hmm. you know, it felt really great. I, yeah. I loved being a city council member. It was fun. I miss it. I yeah. really do miss it sometimes. There yeah. are parts of it that I don't miss, <laughs> right, right, certainly. Right. Uh, right. But, but being able to just have a hand in, because I grew up here. Yep. I mean, this is this is the city that I grew up in. It's the only city I've, I, I remember. I wasn't right. born here, but I, I was here since I was three. Right. And it's really all I all I remember. Yeah. And so to to be able to give back to a city that really did give me an awful lot and just have a hand in certain different little accomplishments that we had, uh, that was gratifying. That's awesome. How has your, what is your opinion of the city council since you've left? So you left, let's see here, uh, around 2014, is that correct? 2014, 2015, somewhere in there? Yeah, that's right. Okay. The May of, of 2014 okay. is when I stepped away. Okay. So how has your, what's your opinion of the city council? Now, I know obviously your detached from it because you're not currently active on it, but I know you, you do know some people that are on the council served with some of them, I'm sure. And so what has been your perception of how they've kind of taken it, taken it forward since you've left? Well, you know, it's a revolving door. Sure. You know, um, once I left, you know, they just kept going. Right. And, (laughs) uh, you know, when, when I left the city, um, I had just, had just gotten married. We moved downtown to Fort Worth and, um, I had started working down there, and really, I just kind of detached for a little while and didn't keep keep big tabs sure. on on exactly what was going have, on. Have a little bit of separation, you know. Time, but yeah. but I but I do know m- most, if not all, the people that are on the council, um, and you know, regardless of of how they vote on certain issues, I do know that all, every single one of them have Bedford's best interests sure. uh, at heart, and and really work hard to to try to do what's best for the city. It can't be easy, specifically to your point about the fact that you're on the city council, you see these people day in and day out, you, know, you run into them at the store, at, you know, any uh, the concert series or anything else that might be going on. And, and you really do have to have kind of that perspective of I'm trying to do what's best for the city. Maybe we don't disagree on the point, but, but at the end of the day, you know, these are directing, directly impacting, you know, yourself and the, your neighbors, right? And so it's, I think it's, it's again, like it's easy to just be mad at someone for a bunch of stuff. But when you think about the fact that like, no, they are working in the best interest of themselves and their neighbors, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to kind of separate policy from person at that point. Well, I think each of them understand that they're elected to represent the residents of the city. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they get to just decide what they want to do. They should should be up there and, and carrying out the wishes of the people that, that put them there. Right. Uh, and, and if, if, if you, remember that um i think you'll do really well yeah now i know that since this is a parenting podcast and you you are a parent i want to kind of pivot a little bit into that but so one one question that i do like to ask uh, a lot of uh, dads and parents that are on the show is what do you think makes a good dad yeah that's a great question <laughs> and i've got so i've got two kids okay and one on the way nice well congratulations thank you and so my son his name is walker he's about to be four um, my daughter, her name is Blair. She's about 15 months. Um, I, I think what makes a good dad, at least for me, what I try to do is, is be present for them. Mm-hmm. And when I'm present, try to be a good role model. Sure. Especially because, uh, you know, they don't go out and pick up a lot of stuff from a lot of other people. Right. They're mostly around us. <laughs> right. Right. My <laughs> wife and I. And yeah. so, um, you know, they're, what they do right now is, is just a reflection of what they see. Right. And so, I, you know, I try to be as, as present as I can 
as often as I can. Right. And I try to set a good example while I'm around and, and know that the time that I have with them is, is so precious. Yeah. And I know that, you know, my wife told me the other day, we only get uh, 18 summers. Oh. And I told her, well, and Walker's oh, about man. to be four, so we're uh, a quarter of the way of him <laughs> right. out of the house. So, and, and when you think about it like that, oh, it's like, gosh. let's make sure that we are oh. we are really mindful right. when we're around them. Right. It's, oh, oh, my gosh. I don't want you to put it like that ever again. I mean, that was just, <laughs> I, I, I mean, oh, I'm thinking about my kids, and it's, it's, it's already too, 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 going by way too fast, way too fast. Um, what has been, uh, what's one of your proudest parenting moments so far? <sighs> You know, I guess it's whenever y- you see your kids do something really nice. Sure. And you think, wow, they're good, they're good kids. Right, right. So, um, you know, so it's like, it's like my son. I get to coach him. We just got through with our t-ball yeah, season nice. for the spring. And I've, I've really enjoyed um, coaching him and being with him and playing baseball. We were just, we're just having a blast. Right. And, um, you know, when you see him like be a good friend mm-hmm. to his other kids, yeah. to his other friends. Yeah. Um, it, it makes you proud. Yeah. Because it's like, hey, he's picked up something. Right. He's a good person. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> maybe exactly. I've taught him that. Right, right. <laughs> or maybe I've had nothing to do with right. it. <laughs> but at least he's, a, he's the, see, seeing them do really nice things right. is, is rewarding. That's so awesome. It, it is. It is that moment where you go, "Oh, uh, I guess they are picking up something positive that I'm yeah. that I'm doing." Like, "Oh, good, something's sinking in." Uh, and watching him be right. a big brother to to oh, his yeah. sister, um, it, it, it is really really awesome. Yeah, he loves her so much. She likes him okay, <laughs> but like he loves her, and is just the best big brother. Oh, that's awesome. It's really cool. That's so cool. Do you think that your I guess when you think about your time on the city council, do you hope that it's something you're able to pass down to your children as a, as a, as a fond memory, such as, and I want to kind of frame this in a specific way in, I mean, we don't know what the future holds with regards to politics. We don't know how the world's going to shape up. I think we all kind of contribute and do our best to, to get it to a more positive place and everything's going to work out in a good way. But I think if you're able to, as your kids grow older and they're talking about politics and they're getting interested, whether or not they run, but just interested in general, are you hope, hopeful that you're able to say, look, I, I was able to do two terms on city council and make a direct impact locally. And here's some of the tools and skills I was able to take as a, you know, uh, uh, kind of a, you know, a agent for change. Like I wanted to make positive change and I wanted to compromise and here's a positive way forward. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is, do you feel that your time on the council kind of taught you some really good tools that you'll be able to then impart on your children? Yeah, and I'm sure they won't be impressed at all. If right, they, Dad, they, what, you were so lame. Right. Why did you do that when you were 19? Right. Did you have anything better to do? Right. But, why, but Why didn't we get Ice Town? I mean, <laughs> why yeah. didn't you push to that? Like, that, that was really uncool, Dad. Yeah, what, but, what, but, but I think yeah. uh, what I hope to, to, that, it, that it will show them is that get involved in some way. Right. Like it, it, it's not that you have to run for anything, but mm-hmm. but this is your city. You're right. a, you're a resident of it. Right. Um, this is your school. You're a student in it. Right. Get involved in some way. Yeah. Have a say in, in what's going on and, and how it affects your life. Um, and so so if, if I can import, impart that lesson to them is that don't just sit back and and wait for somebody else to do something. If 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 you see something that you want to do, jump at it. Right. Because there's never going to be a, the just the greatest time. You know. It, 
my wife and I were talking about this about kids. It's like, well, should, you know, when we started having a family, do we wait to have another one? No, there's never a great time. It's, right. It's we want to do this. Let let's do it. You know, let's let's start our family. Um, jump in and, and do what you want to do. Right. If you if you see something that that's out there, go do it. I like it. If there is, as we're starting to wrap up here, I do want to ask you: Is there one piece of advice? Is there one piece of advice that you give to someone who wants to get more involved at a local a level, whether they're running or supporting or just in general? What's one piece of advice you like to give people? Yeah, and I, I think what it would be is, and this is what was given to me, and it, it's really why I took that year, sure, before I ran to to figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was uh, it was that government teacher who uh, who in high school asked me, um, well, why do you want to do it, and how are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. And it was if, if you're going to do this, you have to make sure that you're ready to do it, right? Um, and you have to put yourself in a position that you're you're ready when the time comes right. in the event that right. you actually are elected. Right. Because w- once you're elected, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do this. Right. And it, would, it, it would be very easy um, to, to not be prepared. Right. Um, and so I would say that, that if you're ever going to jump into something, make sure that, that you have planned it out enough to where if you're given that responsibility, you're going to be able to do a good job. Right. You're going to be ready, right. ready to run. Absolutely. Very nice. Well, uh, now we're going to pivot to uh, my favorite part of the show, which is the dad joke of the week. So it is a, it is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at the unsuspecting guests. <laughs> I don't give them any time to prepare. And, uh, you know, most of the time I can't hear the audience while they groan. I can only hear my guests as I try and make them laugh. But I actually do have an audience here, so I can hear them groan. So it should, uh, should be pretty good. But uh, before I get started, I always like to ask my guest, uh, Chris, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up? <laughs> <laughs> Not that I can think of. Uh, right. Maybe one will come to me as okay. you're as, right. as you're giving yours. All right. So, <clears throat> first of all, uh, Chris, uh, what did the tie say to the hat? I don't know. What did the tie say to the hat? Uh, you go on ahead, and I'll hang around. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the uh. go. <laughs> and um, uh, what do you call someone who's afraid of Santa? I don't know. What do you call someone who's afraid of Santa? Claustrophobic. <laughs> Claustrophobic. <laughs> all right, all right. I got one more for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, why don't skeletons fight each other? I don't know. They don't have the guts. They don't uh, true. have the <laughs> you guts. You got a true. <laughs> right. uh, well, Chris, if people want to follow you or see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, you know, I'm not that big on social media. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if they want to get in touch with me. Um, they could email me at okay. uh, cbrown at cantyhanger.com. That's where I work at a law firm in Fort Worth called Canty Hanger. All right. Well, we will put that in the show notes uh, so people can uh, directly get in touch with you. Otherwise, they can just uh, ask questions or stalk, uh, stalk uh, at Detox Podcast on social media, and I'll take care of it. But, uh, That's the best way. Right. There you go. Well, Chris, thank you so much. This has been such a delight. And uh, listeners, we will have more great content next week for sure. Oh, but Chris, we do need a hashtag for this episode. Uh, should we go with hashtag Icetown? Yes, we should. Okay, all right, all right. Well, all right, listeners, uh, (laughs) until next time, hashtag Icetown and hashtag Be a Better Dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. 
You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.